All right, good morning, everybody. Hello, hello. How we doing? Are we awake? I know I ask that question a lot. Start off with, how you doing? And I'm looking for smiles and people are, you know, awake and all that. But I understand that on any given Sunday, you might not feel like smiling. You might not feel like, you know, shouting back. And that's totally fine. I don't want to ever make you feel like you have to pretend like you're going through a good season. You don't have to pretend. And um, I know I've thought before when somebody's about to preach the word of God and they say, how you doing at the beginning? I remember thinking sometimes, tell me what this says, and then maybe by the end I'll be feeling a bit better. And so we're going to do that. We're going to open God's word. But today it's going to be a bit more topical because I think we, we have to talk a little bit. So last Sunday was Pastor Ed's last Sunday as lead pastor here at Terra Nova uh, for the past 15 years when he and Diane started it. And you might be wondering, what's going to change now that Pastor Ed is no longer the lead pastor? What's going to be different? And my answer is absolutely everything. In fact, even the book we're going to use is going to be, it's going to be different. I'm just kidding. This is actually what we're calling Reaffirm Sunday so that we can talk about all that makes Terra Nova, Terra Nova, our core beliefs, our core values, our mission statement, our DNA, it's not changing. Reaffirm Sunday. And so while the, the mixed emotions of gratitude, of, of sadness, of the same level that, that of interaction we've had with Pastor Ed, I know in the office next door, those years of just the daily interactions have been priceless for me. And, and he is a character, let me tell you. Um, I'm going to miss that. At the same time, Pastor Bill, Pastor Rob, and myself have not been sitting idle. We have not been biting our nails, worried about what we're going to do for the future. We're excited to see the future, the next chapter that the Lord has for Terra Nova Church. And we're looking forward to, to press on in faith. And we're going to need everybody to do that together if we're going to do that strong. What makes Terra Nova, Terra Nova is going to stay the same. And so for our main idea, we do have one of those today. It's simply that our mission statement and our core values remain. Our mission statement, our core values remain. And so we're going to talk about for our roadmap, our mission statement, and then we're going to talk about our core values. Now, some of you might hear that and think, okay, it's one of those Sundays where they talk about you know, background information and all this. And it's, you might be tempted to think that sounds boring and whatever. I'm just not going to let you not pay attention. I have things to throw at you and I will try to make it as engaging as I can and keep Christ at the center, at the center of this message as we try to do for every message that we have here at Terra Nova Church. So we're going to look at our mission statement and we're going to look at our core values. Our mission statement Somebody, when we were doing our pre-service prayer at 8.30 up there, somebody was praying and mentioned in the prayer our mission statement. I'm just like, yes, people, there are, there are people that know what we are all about as a church, what our mission statement is, and everyone now, to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. That's it. That is the umbrella that we are under. That is the, the, the core belief that we have, the mission that we are pursuing to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to break that down a little bit. To make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And you have a little bit less of an advantage here in the second service. You don't have the slides. So I'm going to try to really spell it out. 
more and better. So by more, we mean numerically, as in there are people that don't know Jesus that we want to know him, that are currently without their relationship with God, and we want that to occur. We want them to know Jesus. We want to make more people in the capital region, in our neighborhoods and workplace, people that don't know Christ, we want them to know Christ. That's where the more comes in. We want to make more. But not just more. We don't want to just make converts. We don't want people just to know about simply their lost condition before God and confess their sins and be saved and believe in him. We also want people to grow in their relationship with God. We want mature believers. We want mature disciples. And so we want to make not just converts, not just more disciples, but better, as in maturity, as in growing, as Peter will say in 2 Peter 3, continually growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Colossians 1.28 says this pretty well. Paul says, him, as in Jesus, we proclaim. Jesus we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. You notice he said everyone three times, as in anyone that wants to have that relationship with Christ, we want to make more and more and more disciples. But then he says to present everyone mature in Christ, developing in their relationship with the Lord, to make more and better. Better what? More what? Disciples. That word means learner, follower, student. So we're all learning from something, from someone. What are we learning? All kinds of things. Who we are, our origin, where we're going, our destiny, the meaning of our lives, morality, why it matters to treat people a certain way, how to treat certain, how to how to treat people um, with with good morality, what that looks like, uh, the the purpose of our lives, all those big questions, and also the little questions of the daily. Who are we looking for? Who are we looking towards as we walk through this mysterious life together? We want to make disciples of who? Of Jesus Christ. Not of ourselves. It's a really important distinction. Our goal is not to make disciples of a bunch of little Pastor Robs. That would be a nightmare. We want to make disciples of Jesus, right? We're not making disciples of ourselves. We want to point people and connect people to him, the chief shepherd, the king, Jesus Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. So to the degree that I'm following Jesus, I want other people to do that as well. But to the degree that I'm not and I'm still growing, I don't want people to make the same mistakes I do. To the degree that we're following Christ, we want other people to follow Jesus as well. And that's motivation in itself, isn't it? To follow after him as best as we can. We want to make disciples, more and better disciples of Jesus, not ourselves, of Jesus. It's our goal. And if you think about your own life and what the goals you have for your own life are, and I know not everybody has thought about this. I've asked quite a lot of people this question. It's one of my favorite questions. What's the goal? What, what at, the, at the end of your life, what would you like to say you achieved? And if you haven't thought much about that, you can definitely adopt this goal, the goal that we have as our church as well, to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. That is a goal you will not regret at the end of it all. It's our big picture. It's what every decision we make as a church is based on. When we get together on Sunday mornings, Sunday gathered, we want to make more and better disciples. When we get together in our, our Terra Kids ministry, Terra Youth, Young Adults group, our men's group, Imago, our women's group, Poema, our tribes, which we're going to be taking a look at all of those um, 
programs we have and trying to improve them and make them better, and we need to do that together. <laughs> when all of those, we want to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. When we as a church take, ten, we're a tithing church, so all of the tithes that come to Terra Nova, we take 10% of that and we give it to other churches such as Engage Albany, such as Terra Nova North Adams, some examples, who are making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Everything we do, every decision we make, we want to do that, to make more and better disciples. And if you have ideas of how we can improve or where we're failing to make more and better disciples as a church, no longer can we have the idea to say, well, that's just, that's the leadership, that's not us. No, we want to hear. We're in this together, are we not? We, if Terra Nova is your home church, we are calling you, we are asking you to, it, 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 to invest fully with your talents, abilities, all of you, and together to accomplish this goal of making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. I think, I don't think our church tends to have this problem, but some people might tend to think, oh, well, the leaders are the ones that are going to do that, right? Pastors, the people, the staff, they're the ones that do the actual, you know, disciple making, right? No. Ephesians 4 says, he, God, gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So he gave the leaders of the church to what? To equip the saints, that's you guys, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So he raises up leaders of churches in order to equip the people, the saints, for the work of ministry. So another way I can say it is, help us to better help you in the work of making disciples. Our mission statement isn't going anywhere. We want to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Did I say it enough? Make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Staying the same, core DNA. From that mission statement, we get our core values. And there are three of them. You're going to hear the number three quite a lot. Now, our core values come from our mission statement. How do we make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ? Well, first we focus on Jesus Christ. And so our first core value is being Christ-centered, Christocentric. And then secondly, we want to be monastic. Hey, there we go. And missional. That's our second core value. And then finally, we want to be incarnational. Now, I believe that to be Christ-centered, the first one, if we really are focusing on Christ as we follow him, we are going to be more monastic, missional, and incarnational because that's what he does. That's what he did. And so I believe that's the most important one. But we're going we're gonna to walk through those. Now, really briefly, if you see in the parentheses next to each one, you see eternal, internal, external. Part of the Christian life, we use this terminology for, for, uh, in our church about these three buckets. And when we talk about discipleship, when we talk about the gospel, when we talk about how to read the Bible, when we talk about our core values, when we talk about virtually anything, we try to put them in those three buckets. Eternal, internal, external. So really briefly, for the eternal, we're talking about how God reveals himself to us. We wouldn't know a thing about God if he didn't tell us, if he didn't reveal it to us in his creation, general revelation, in his, in his word, the scriptures, specific um, revelation. He reveals to us so when we talk about the eternal, we're talking about what God has shown us. Every person has a sense of the divine. Romans 1 says that we, through his creation, clearly perceive and see the eternal power, the divine power, 
and Godhead. Every person has the sense of the divine that we are reaching towards. And so the blue is, in, is intentional. The blue represents of the eternal represents the blue sky, ocean that we are reaching towards the divine, the seemingly never-ending, vast expanse, the eternal. Then secondly, the second bucket is the internal. And that's how we respond to what God has revealed. We either receive or reject what God has unearthed to us. We each have our own stories. We each have our own identity that has been forming and shaping. And the red represents the internal blood of each individual. How, we re how do we respond? And then finally, the external has to do with how we reflect what God has shown to us and how we've responded. We leave an impact. We leave a mark on this world. And so the external, the green, represents the green grass and trees. As you look out into the world, we each leave a legacy in some way. We are all influencing people in some degree or another toward God or away from God, depending on how we respond to what God has revealed, the external. And so for our core values, we fit those Christocentric core value, monastic, missional, and incarnational into those three buckets. So we're going to look at one of them at a time. First, Christocentric. Now, I said before, and I mean it, I think this is the most important one, because as we focus on him, we will inevitably become more like him. And he was monastic, missional, and incarnational. So we want to be focused on Christ. Paul says to live is Christ. <laughs> and to die is gain. He'll say in Colossians 3 that when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Christ at the center of our lives. It's said really well on our website, terranovachurch.org, and so I would be foolish not to read it because it's stated so well. Here's what it says. As a church, we center ourselves in Christ, in whom all things are held together and the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He is the focus of our teaching and the object of our worship. We submit our lives to his kingship and our church to his headship. We believe that all theology is consequential to Christology. And as disciples, we identify ourselves as his. We submit our stories to his story. We hide ourselves in him. And in hiding our temporary lives in his eternal life, we find his glory is our joy. And part of where we get that quote is directly from Colossians 1, 17 through 18 that says, He, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In everything he might be of utmost importance. We want Jesus to be center stage in the life of Terra Nova. We want it all to be about him. Dennis will often be the one to come up and give announcements. And he will say, first of all, he'll say, hi, I'm Dennis Gardner and I'm the operations director. And we're like, good, good. And then eventually say, we hope and pray that Jesus was revealed in the service today. That's not an accident that he says that almost every time, because that is our goal. That goes back to our mission statement. That goes back to our core values. We want Jesus to be revealed and shown in every message that you hear. And the, the season that that changes is the season I don't want to be here anymore. That's got to be the center of our story. Jesus at the center. A wise person once said, let Jesus be the big E on the I chart. Let it be him. 
It's about him. And not only do we think of this, it's not like we had this idea. Jesus says so. Luke 24, verses, verse 44 says, Everything written about me, Jesus speaking, in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So what he just did was summarized the entire Old Testament scriptures, the way the Jewish people organized the Old Testament, was the law, the prophets, and the writings. So when he says, everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, he's saying all those categories, the entire Old Testament scriptures were about him and he needs to fulfill it. And by the way, the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are about Jesus. The letters written after that in the New Testament, also about Jesus. The last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, singular, not plural. It's not a book of different revelations. It's a book of revelation of Jesus Christ. It seems like it's about him, doesn't it? (laughs) And so that's what we want to be all about. We want to be about Jesus. And I got to give you this paraphrase quote, because not only are the entire Old Testament books and New Testament books about Jesus, but the people, the real people that we read about, like Abraham, like Moses, so many of these people are pointing us to Jesus as well. They are what scholars will call a type of Christ. Different aspects of their lives and what they go through and what they learn are pointing us to Jesus. So let me read you a paraphrase from Pastor Timothy Keller's book called Preaching, where he says, look, Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is given or imputed to us. Jesus is the true and better Abel, though innocently slain, has blood that cries out for our acquittal, not our condemnation. Jesus is the true and better Abraham, who answered God's call to leave the comfortable and the familiar and go out into the void for God's people. Jesus is the true and better Isaac, who was not just offered up by his father, but was slain. So when God says to Abraham, now I know you love me because you didn't withhold your one and only son whom you love, we can look to God and say, now we know you love us because you did not withhold your one and only son whom you love. Jesus is the true and better Jacob who wrestled with God and took the blow of justice that we deserved so that we, like Jacob, receive only the wounds of grace to wake us up and discipline us. Jesus is the true and better Joseph who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed him and sold him and uses his new power to deliver. Jesus is the true and better Moses who stands in the gap between the people of God and the Lord and who mediates a new and better covenant. Jesus is the true and better Job, the truly innocent sufferer who then intercedes for his stupid friends. I love that one. Jesus is the true and better David, whose victory becomes his people's victory, although they didn't lift a stone to make it happen. Jesus is the true and better Esther, who didn't just risk her earthly palace and life, but Jesus who did give up his earthly home and life for us. Jesus is the true and better Jonah, who was cast out into the sea, into the depths, so that we could be brought in. It goes on and on and on. You see, it's about Jesus. And I hope that that knowledge, that revelation from God that he's revealed to us, because we don't get that on our own. Remember, when he said to Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, that was revealed to you by the father. And when that is revealed to you personally, that this is not just a book of rules and codes and regulations and a self-help book, Lord, help us, but it's about a person revealing himself to us, namely Jesus, the son of God. That changes things. It was one of, it was one of those 
those moments early on for me, a year or two after college, when that really hit me, one of those, one of those reasons that, that cast me into ministry, because it, I realized it's not just a book about how to be a better individual. I want to know God more. Do you? He's revealed himself to us. It's about a person. It's about Jesus. And when you see that, when you hear that, when you know that, you can't unsee it. You can't unknow it. You can't unlearn it. One of the first analogies I gave here, uh, well, the first one was about Zorro, which Pastor Ed continues to make fun of me for, but there's another one about the sixth sense. And it was about how Bruce Willis, and by the way, I don't need to tell you this, but we make fun of my mom a lot because whenever we watch, we'd watch a movie and there'd be a bald white guy, she'd be like, is that Bruce Willis? And we're like, no. And then one day she's like, I saw Bruce Willis in the supermarket. And we're like, there's no way you saw Bruce Willis. So anyway, not every, anyway. So Bruce Willis is in the sixth sense. And in that movie, you find out at the end that he's been dead the whole movie. And the first time you watch it, you don't realize that unless you're wicked good at predicting. I've never, anyway, you can't do that. Um, that'd be really impressive. However, when, once you realize that, you can't, every time you watch it after that, I'm not saying it's a movie you keep watching, but anyway. Um, if you did watch it again, you can't unsee that. You know it. And as you're going through the story and you see, that, you see it unfold, you see how it fits together and you see how things early on in the movie make sense that they didn't make sense the first time. When we understand Jesus is the center of the story, it's about him, you can't unsee that when you go through the Bible. You can't interpret it another way. It's always about Jesus. My prayer, and I hope our prayer together as a church, is that we continue to keep Christ at the center. That, if, if that's got to be towards the top of our prayer list as a church, Lord, don't let that change. Because we know how easy it is in our own lives to make something less than Jesus center stage. Something less than Jesus the main goal and objective of my life and your life. And it's easy for a church. It can be subtle. It could be over a longer period of time where the main goal and the main objective and the main purpose begins to shift. May that not be our church. And guess who the people are that make sure that doesn't happen? It's us. It's our time. Our time. Okay. So first core value, to be Christ-centered, Christocentric. Now I'm going to spend less time to get through these next two. We also want to be missional and monastic. So here's where the, what God has revealed to us is Christ at the center. How do we respond to that? Well, we want to grow in our love for him, for each other, and we want to reach people. Here's where the making more and better disciples come up. If the first part of to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ, there's the Christ-centered. Now, how do we make more and better disciples? How do we respond to that? Well, we are monastic, but we're also missional. We're a, mon we're a monastery in which we become better disciples together, but we're also missional in which we go and we make more disciples. We are a monastery together under one roof to make better disciples, but we are on mission to make more disciples of Jesus. So by monastic, referring to a monastery, as in our opportunities gather together under one roof to encourage each other, to counsel each other, to be there for each other, to grow together in our relationship with God. We do that on Sunday mornings. We do that in our Terra Kids and Youth and Young Adults group and men and women's group and our redemption groups and all the different things we try to put together in our tribes, which again, we're going to be taking a closer look at and trying to improve together to make those a better opportunity for us to grow in our relationships with each other 
and with the Lord, we want to fulfill that great commandment and all those one another commands in the New Testament. How do we, like the great commandment says, love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love, love each other, love your neighbor as yourself. How do we do that if we're not gathering together? If we're not being monastic? We want that as part of our, our life, to be monastic. But while we're monastic, we're also missional. We don't stay under the same roof. We're not always together learning about God and growing in our relationship together. We also want to be those that go out and make more disciples to fulfill that great commission to go out and to create and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded. We want to be missional. And as a church, we have opportunities to serve together. You can mark this down right now, very practical. April 24th, we're going to be going out to Freer Park, and we're going to clean up that park. We've done that several times in the past. It's a simple way to get together and to serve our city, to serve our community, to make it better. We're going to have more information coming out about that from Pastor Bill. April 24th, Freer Park. We can be missional together with our Serve as One initiative where we serve with five to seven other churches in the capital region to serve our cities. More information about that. We've had a couple of those. We have opportunities to partner with the Salvation Army over there somewhere and the Troy Boys and Girls Club and Joseph's House and Unity House. We have opportunities to serve together, to be missional together, to do that great commission together. We want to be monastic and missional to make more and better disciples. But if we think that we can make disciples by simply getting together and doing a handful of outreaches together yearly, we're fooling ourselves. It's not just, those are great opportunities. And why, why we wouldn't want to partner together and serve together, I have no idea. <laughs> when, we do, when, when the work is put in to plan it and that we can just get together and do it, let's do it. However, it's more than just a couple times, a few times, handful of times, however, we're, however much we're able. It's more than just the yearly things. It's the day-to-day. -day. It's the interactions, the relationships we have with others. Another way to say it, it's by being incarnational, and that's our last core value. It's by being incarnational. That word incarnation is from the Latin term, in, carn meaning flesh, literally in the flesh. And this is what Jesus did. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh. So God the Son, fully divine, took on, put on mortality, put on flesh, became a human. Without, without losing any of his divinity, he took on humanity. Two natures, human nature, divine nature, one person. Two natures, one person, Jesus took on flesh. The Word became flesh. How do we make sense of that? I don't know, but he did. That's what happened in the incarnation when he was born and will remain that way forever, the God-man. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The point is he came to us. Dwelt among us, that term literally means tabernacled. The same idea of in the Old Testament when the Israelites were were in the wilderness and they would set up their tents at night, every night to go to sleep. The tent of God was in the middle of the camp, the tabernacle that will later become the temple, the presence of God with his people, fully manifested in the person of Jesus, living here as a human being 
over 2,000 years ago. He came to us. He spoke our language. He ate our food. He sang our songs. He was tired like us, thirsty like us, tempted like us. He even bled like us. He came to us to reach us. And then he says to us, as the Father has sent me, so I now send you. He sends us to incarnate, to be among the people that we live, to be incarnational. The Celtic way of evangelism by George Hunter III says this, go to the people, live among them, learn from them, love them, start with what they know and build on what they have. If we pay the price to understand the unchurched, we will usually know what to say and what to do. If they believe we understand them, they may risk opening their hearts to the God who knows them. Look, there's not a prescribed way of being incarnational, of bringing eternal truths to our culture in ways that are biblically faithful and relevant. That's a, hand, that's a mouthful, right? But the way that we bring God's word in our lives to the people that we know and encounter on a daily basis, there's not a prescribed way of for every generation, this is exactly how you do it. We often build the bridge as we're walking. But as we engage with people, as we get to know people, as we are purposefully invested in bringing God's word to others, as we're Christ-centered and we're growing together as a church and being monastic and doing outreaches together and getting to know God, we will more and more so want others to know Christ and be willing to bridge that gap, whatever that looks like in our lives individually and as a family. I know it can be scary. I know ta even talking about sharing your faith, for some of us, we're just, we're, we're terrified of that. And I can't, I can't promise you that they're not gonna, that you're not gonna be, that they're not gonna be offended, that even if you do all the work and you really care about the person, you eventually say it and they might t tune you out and call you crazy and whatever. And part of the cost of following Jesus is persecution, either physical or, or, or through what they say to you, whatever part of the cost. But I also want to tell you that maybe you're going to be surprised at the people who aren't going to, to push you away when you talk about Jesus. Maybe we'll be surprised that people actually want a second chance, a new life, acceptance, forgiveness, understanding about what life is all about. Those are only things God can give. He gave it to us freely, and he says, now you go and make disciples as well. Okay, what makes us, what makes Terranova, Terranova stays. Our DNA, our mission statement, what we're all about, our core values, it remains. Reaffirm Sunday. I also want us as individuals to reaffirm, first of all, our commitment to God and then secondly, our commitment to the church that he's called us to. If, he, if you believe that God has called you to Terra Nova Church, I'm just asking you this week, over the cup of coffee, over your devos, over your time in prayer and talking to God, talk to him about what your role in Terra Nova looks like. If you've had one foot in and one foot out for a while, it's time for that change. It's time to go all in. If we're going to move together into the future, with strength, we have to do it together and we have to do it in faith, keeping Jesus at the center.
The who we are stays. Our mission stays. But listen, how we accomplish our goals can change. Our mission, our message of the gospel, our meaning, it all stays. But the methods in which we fulfill our goals can change. We talk a lot about replanting. Replanting as, as, as the people in our church, as our leadership, as our community changes. We don't want to be stuck. We don't want to be the museum. We talk about replanting. What does it look like today in our time to reach people with the gospel, to be people that keep Christ at the center, that are wanting to make more and better disciples in biblically faithful ways? What does that look like today for us? Next week, Pastor Rob and Pastor Bill are going to get up here and talk to us about that. So don't miss it. Now we're going to close by taking communion and celebrating the center of our story, the purpose of why we're here, Jesus, and what he's done for us and who he is and the hope we have to look forward to in the future. And I'm going to pray for us before we do that. So will you pray with me? <laughs> Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that Terra Nova has looked to you to be the center, that we'd even put that in our core values because that's what we want. Lord, we want to be a church that looks to you first, that follows you to make disciples, that follows you, Lord, as we want to, to grow in our own relationships with you and with each other together monastically, but also looking past ourselves, looking to our communities, looking to the people we know that don't yet know you. Lord, we want to mature, and Lord, we want more. We want more of you. Father, I pray uh, for these coming days, these coming weeks, Lord, as we lean into you and what you have for the future of our church, help us, God, this week. Lord, as we're praying, as we're talking to you, as we're in the word, as we're going about our lives, help us to think deeply about who you've called us to be and about how we as individuals can work together, together to make more and better disciples. May all of us, Lord, be all in.